Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, folks. We're joined by Raphael Goinecci, the president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Uh, Rafi, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Newell. So, Rafi, um, you and I have talked about this before. I, I had this sense that, um, and I think you did as well, that crime could possibly be a little bit on the uptick, that we probably were going to face some violence when you have a jail that's near capacity and, you know, you're making more arrests, but you're not able to incarcerate more people. The most recent revelation that you all talked about, whether uh, relative to bond forfeitures um, of folks kind of out on the streets running around when many of them probably should have been in jail. The, the DAs agreed to change that policy. We've had a rough couple of two weeks here. Your thoughts? Right. I mean, we've seen uh, a spike in homicides in November, and it's not over, but knock on wood. Uh, we don't have any uh, more homicides this month. But uh, we've had more homicides this month than we had in November of last year. Now, homicides overall citywide are down 16% uh, year-to-date this year versus last year. That's the good news. The bad news is homicide victims under the age of 18 are up 40% this year versus last year. So last year at this point in time, we had 25 juvenile homicide victims. This year, we've had 35 over the same period of time. And, um, you know, there is a spike in juvenile-on-juvenile violence, and that is, uh, you know, a trend within a trend, but the juvenile violence trend is trending up while the overall violence trend is trending down. So, uh, you know, we talk about the juvenile justice system and the reforms and, and what needs to be done. Well, obviously, what we have in place right now with respect to juvenile justice is not working. And we're seeing juvenile offenders commit crimes of violence that were unimaginable uh, as recently as 10 years ago. And over the past 10 years, the situation hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. It's accelerating. And uh, we're having, uh, I think, a, uh, a juvenile crime problem in the city of New Orleans right now, particularly uh, a, a violent juvenile crime problem in the 7th District of of, of the city, uh, that there's an acute number of those homicides that are occurring in the 7th district. Uh, they've had 15 
juvenile homicides in the seventh district year to date. The next closest district had five. So there's something going on in the seventh. I'm sure that the police department is aware of those statistics. Uh, and there are a number of uh, um, factors that are driving that. But that's something, if we're going to continue to drive down our violent crime rate, um, it can't be done by just focusing on the adult offenders. We also have to redouble our efforts with respect to, uh, to juvenile offenders as well. You know, this goes back a number of years, uh, all the way back to when I think Mitch Landrew was the lieutenant governor and they did this criminal uh, juvenile justice reformation thing. And, you know, we were going to implode the incarcerated beds at the state level and, and start putting programs in place and alternatives to incarceration that never really came to fruition. Right. Uh, I, I love all of these criminal justice programs where if we do X, then Y is going to happen. But we've waited around for Y, and Y has never shown up. In fact, Y is very foreign to me. I don't know who that is or what that is. And, and here it is in, ju in juvenile. I mean, and it keeps repeating itself because I think we've had all kinds of escapes from state juvenile facilities uh, this year. We haven't built uh, an appreciable number of those. And we haven't put any alternative to incarceration programs, for the most part, throughout the state of the Louisiana in a systematic way. So many of our juvenile crime initiatives are decades old, when the juvenile crime problem was primarily property offenses. Uh, mm -hmm. We haven't uh, updated our, our strategies, our plans, and that includes our juvenile institutions. The juvenile institutions uh, are not secure enough. And, you know, we, you and everybody in the media have done story after story about juvenile offenders that have escaped from state custody. And uh, not only are the supposedly secure institutions not adequate to hold the level of offenders that are in there right now. You've got juveniles in state facilities that are serving juvenile life for crimes not like uh, automobile theft or, or shoplifting, but for attempted murder, armed robbery, in some instances murder. And uh, they those institutions and the policies behind those institutions with respect to the uh, security in those facilities, those haven't been, they're not adequate to hold that level of offender. Essentially, uh, you've got the most serious adult offenders in the Angola Penitentiary. And uh, you don't hear about escapes from Angola, but escapes are common in the juvenile facilities, and many of those escapes uh, result in those offenders uh, being apprehended after they've committed uh, either uh, uh, batteries or worse on some of the guards, or have committed additional crimes once they've escaped. So we need to, to rethink and, and uh, re-examine what we're doing because what we have in place right now obviously isn't working. Uh, I don't know why we're not 
really aggressively trying to start a truancy program here uh, because what we're seeing is that a lot of these kids that should be in school they're not in school yep and you know right. we need and and that's that's pretty low hanging fruit that doesn't take a big uh you know system to get a hold of that not a lot of bureaucracy involved in it um we we created one in Jefferson Parish it was very successful and and um got the buy in from everyone and we didn't have a lot of personnel uh to really have to staff it, but it, it made a big difference when, when we were running amok and, and then we were able to disband it at one point in time because things were, you know, were good. I mean, we weren't having those issues any longer. So it's going to be interesting well, to see. You know, exactly. So there's going to be, you know, is that going to be the responsibility of the police department to go out and do truancy enforcement or is it going to be the school boards Should that are be. going to, to do that? You know, so yeah. I think if you're going to expect the police department to do it, they're going to be able to do some things on a limited basis. But I really think the schools need to do a better job of uh, keeping a tra- keeping track of truancy. So I think one of the things that needs to be measured within every district, and let's just start with the seventh district. You know, that is historically the district over the last several years that has the uh, highest percentage of violent crime in the city of New Orleans. They're in first or second place in every violent crime category. And, you know, the that's the bad news. The good news is that the violent crime is not dispersed uh, equitably all over the entire uh, district. They're just hot spots within the district. So one of the things that I think could be done is take a look and see, you know, what what schools are in the 7th District and assess what the truancy issues are in those 7th District schools. And then try and identify and see, have they arrested any juvenile offenders that have been enrolled in any of the schools and identify the schools that... Uh, their their student body is involved in, you know, some of the criminal activity in the seventh district, and start to devise some strategies to address not just uh, truancy, but to try and figure out how they keep those kids in school and engage them, and deploy resources to assist those families that obviously need additional services to be able to uh, keep their children from committing some of the the crimes that, that are in the headlines uh, day after day, week after week. Well, one area you're going to see drop precipitously, I think, is going to be auto thefts. Y'all report, y'all report on this, uh, 6,562 yep. vehicles stolen. As of November 26, we're averaging 20 a day. Uh, You know, I know, a lot of those are juveniles. Sure, sure. And, you know, a lot of those cars are being used to commit other crimes. So, um, you know, again, the juvenile offenders of today uh, are committing crimes that weren't 
contemplated when the juvenile justice system was devised and created decades ago with legislation. And I think that that needs to be something that we take a good, long, hard look at, figure out how we can uh, tighten that up and, and make it uh, a more uh, transparent as well as a more effective system to uh, reduce recidivism among juvenile offenders, but also to adequately uh, sanction the violent uh, generation of juvenile offenders that, that we're experiencing right now, not just in the city of New Orleans, but around the state. While we're on juveniles, since the last time you and I have met, the uh, death of Linda Fricky, that case has come to a successful conclusion. A conviction for second-degree murder on uh, Honoré and the, the three other co-defendants had pled guilty to attempt manslaughter, receiving 20-year sentences in each one of those cases. Your thoughts? You know, I'm, I've, I've watched that from a distance, and I'd like to give credit to the district attorney's office, I think, for constructing and devising uh, a successful strategy that not only uh, held the, the offenders accountable, but also did so in uh, taking into consideration the wishes of the victims, of the victim's family in this case. The fact that uh, the case that went to trial against the uh, the lone male offender in that, um, the entire trial was completed within three hours, and it took the jury four hours to deliberate to return a guilty as charged. So within those uh, that four-hour period, they had to order dinner and pick a foreman, and it obviously didn't take very long for them to reach a unanimous verdict, guilty as charged, second-degree murder. The victims are happy. I think justice is served. That's the way the system should work. And uh, I give credit to the district attorney's office for uh, quarterbacking that case through successfully to uh, the verdict that I think everyone was expecting and, and, and hoping for. A little consternation early on, though, right? I mean, uh, and I, I agree. I think ultimately we ended up getting it in the right place in the right way. Um, I think a lot of stuff that has come to the forefront and, and the recognition and realization by Jason Williams of certain things, and this was truly a shock-the-conscience type of case. It, it was somewhat hard not to not to be really on top of this one because of the horrific nature of it. Right. And, you know, when, when, and we've talked about this before, uh, but when Jason Williams was sworn in as DA in January of 21, that was his first day as working as an, a district attorney. He had never prosecuted a case before. So when he was, Seeking that office, he was running on a platform, and his platform was a progressive platform, and he was advocating uh, and telling people to vote for him because he was never going to charge a juvenile as an adult. 
was never going to use the habitual offender statute to seek enhancements for repeat offenders, was never going to use material witness warrants, wasn't going to advocate for high bail. And what we've seen since he was sworn in and what we see today is, I think, a 180-degree reversal. He is uh, charging juveniles as adults, and uh, you can't sit in that desk on the third floor or the fourth floor of the DA's office and not be, be moved when you look victims and witnesses in the eye and hear their stories. So I think that Jason Williams, when he was elected, had no idea what needed to be done as a district attorney. And I think the, this almost three years now has made him rethink his policies. And I think that he is moderating. He is now using the habitual offender statute. He's transferring not just homicide juvenile defendants, but juvenile defendants that are involved in other heinous crimes like attempted murder, armed robbery, uh, and those types of offenses. So uh, he's recognized that you can't deal in absolutes and uh, you need to make decisions as a prosecutor on a case-by-case -case basis based on the facts, the law, and the evidence. His client now are the people of Orleans Parish, the victims and witnesses. The criminal defense uh, bar is responsible for protecting the rights of the offenders. That's the way the system is constructed. And I think that he has uh, recognized that his responsibilities are, are different than when he was a criminal defense attorney. And I give him credit for making those changes. And I think that he's a much better DA today than he was last week. And I think that he'll continue to improve going forward because I think he recognizes now what the office is truly about, and I'm, I'm impressed with the the progress that I'm seeing right now. And I would agree. we got to get to a break. Let's uh, take that break. We'll be right back with Raphael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Stay with us, folks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We are visiting with Rafael Goyeneche, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Uh, on Tuesday, November 28th, Sheriff Susan Hudson was compelled to arrest Deputy Robert Simon and charge that deputy with a series of charges, principal to aggravated second-degree battery, malfeasance in office, obstruction of justice, 10 counts of malfeasance, 10 counts of introduction of contraband into a penal institution. Um, Rafi, this guy was a bad dude. No, and, you know, the public is aware of some of the uh, violent outbreaks in the jail. Uh, The sheriff does release that information about uh, inmate-on-inmate violence. And it appears that this deputy was responsible and a facilitator for a lot of that. So they discovered uh, that he was involved in possibly contraband and some malfeasance act. It all sprang from uh, an event that occurred in the jail on September the 9th where an inmate stabbed another inmate 13 times. And the sheriff's office learned later that month that that deputy was boasting about the fact that he knew that that was going to happen. Uh, He uh, was telling people that he was uh, uh, ordering hits on inmates. And and what that means is that he was having other inmates uh, go seek out and retaliate and fight or stab other inmates. So he's been there since 2020. And they've booked him with what you just went through, 11 counts of malfeasance, one count of obstruction, 10 counts of introduction of contraband into the jail. And the contraband that he was introducing were drugs. And it's been reported about the inmate overdoses in custody, and people are wondering where that comes from. Well, coming from Robert Simon, who was smuggling the drugs in, and he admitted that he was taking money from the defendants or offenders or inmates' family or friends to bring the drugs in. And he's also been charged with principal to aggravated second-degree battery. His bond was set at $46,000. He's out right now, and I'm sure that that's a relief. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, his, his, his bond was set at what? $46,000. You, you're kidding me, right? Nope. That was, that was the bond that was set in this. And he's posted bond. He's posted bond. So he's out right now. But, you know, if let me, you're wondering... Can, let me, let me, wait, 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 let's stop right there for a second. <laughs> how, how do we develop 
confidence in our system when this guy, who's in a position of authority and power inside of the jail, is is doing hits on other inmates, using inmates to 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 conduct hits on other inmates, stabbings and whatever, and he gets a $46,000 bond, we'll never regain confidence in our system. I mean, who are these judges that are setting these bonds? Do they not understand what we're dealing with here? I, you know, that's a rhetorical And, I mean, question. look, it, pain, I yeah. it, it pains me, you know, that there's an individual, you know, in – that that's raised the right hand, took the oath of office, and we pin a star on him, right? But yeah. forty six grand? I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. Right. That is ridiculous. So I, I don't get he's, it. He's he's out right now, but the investigation is just barely getting underway because he's been there for three years. And they're going to go back and look at a lot of other things now. Since he's acknowledged that he took money from people to bring the drugs into the jail, the investigation obviously is going to look to see who bribed him in all of this. I don't know if that can be determined and and proven. But, you know, give the sheriff's office credit for this investigation. Uh, you know, you're looking at an inmate population of about 1,200 and some change inmates. Eighty percent of that population is either going to be in there for a felony crime of violence or a fe- felony weapons offense. So that is a concentration of the worst of the worst offenders in the city of New Orleans, and that's the pretrial uh, inmate population that's there. So at any given time, there's going to be north of 220 uh, inmates in there on homicide charges. So um, that just kind of puts it in perspective, some of the inmates. So a lot of the violence on the streets uh, are people feuding with one another, and they shoot or kill somebody. They get arrested. They go into the jail. And sometimes some of the friends and family of the, of the, uh, the victim are aware that the perpetrator's in jail. So if these people that are in the jail encounter each other on the streets, that's a felony. Now that they're in the same jail, the fact that they don't have access to a gun their, their weapon of choice is a shiv or a knife, mm-hmm. and yeah, they same. are, you know, killing each other or attempting to kill each other. And the deputies that are working there, you know, are put at risk by deputies like Robert Simon that are smuggling contraband in and facilitating and encouraging inmate-on-inmate violence. So, you know, I I believe that, you know, this case is going to be critically important as it goes forward to see what type of uh, results are garnered with respect to this prosecution. Because, as you pointed out, uh, there needs to be uh, 
accountability and a, and, and a, a penalty for betraying the public trust and committing these these offenses uh, by uh, a sworn law enforcement deputy. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the DA's office ultimately charges this individual with. Could be that the DA's office, based on what they charge and how the investigation unfolds, they could go in and request a higher bail going forward. I don't know if an electronic monitor was, you know, uh, one of the conditions of release, but um, you know this is, I think, an important message that the sheriff is sending to deputies that uh, if you're part of the problem, you will be identified and you will be held accountable. And I give her and her, her special investigations unit credit for making this case. You know, it's amazing to me is that the rule to show cause on this case is set for February the 29th of 2024. Right. We, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I didn't see that. I, I don't know why it's that far in advance. That's three, I, I, that's three months away. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Well, that could be moot if the wow. DA's office accepts charges, and, and then the case gets allotted to one yeah. of the uh, sections of court. So I think that there is still an ongoing investigation. So he was initially booked with an obstruction with one count of malfeasance and principal to second-degree battery. And in a short period of time, they developed another 10 counts of uh, yeah. malfeasance on the 10 counts of uh, contraband. And the investigation is still ongoing. All right, got to get to another break. We're visiting with Raphael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. And I want to thank my listening audience uh, for fact-checking me. I can always rely on them. I said that I would be at People's Health on Tuesday, December 6th. I'll be there Tuesday, but that happens to be December 5th. I'm even having trouble reading a calendar these days. Governor-elect Jeff Landry announces an agreement that Jason Williams will allow the Louisiana Attorney General, uh, Liz-elect Liz Murrell, to actually prosecute cases on state police arrest within the city of New Orleans. Rafi, your thoughts? Well, I watched that press conference. Uh, I had no idea that uh, the uh, announcement was going to be made about the cooperative endeavor agreement executed between the attorney general and the district attorney's office. I thought it was just going to be naming of the head of the state police, the national guard and, and the fire marshal. So I think, uh, my impression of that was that bodes well for New Orleans. I know that there's a lot of hand wringing about, well, what does a Republican governor's election mean for the city of New Orleans? And I think you saw that he could have held that press conference announcing that in any other part of the state. He's from the Lafayette area. He elected to do it in New Orleans in the, uh, in the Superdome. And he invited the district attorney, you know, from Orleans Parish to his press conference to make that announcement. So he indicated that the presence of the state police, which has always been substantial uh, and, you know, long, long-term uh, support for New Orleans for everything that we do, I think that we can expect to see that grow over the, the next four years of Governor Landry. Uh, the, the agreement that was announced was that the district attorney is going to uh, accept assistance from the Attorney General's office to prosecute cases made by the Louisiana State Police in Orleans Parish. I believe it was made clear that that's just not the State Police trying to make cases in the uh, 8th District, which is the Central Business District and the French Quarter. They're going to be applying and assisting the police department all over town. So that, I believe, not only is, I think, a, a welcome addition to uh, badly needed support with experienced prosecutors in Orleans Parish, but I think it also uh, bodes well that the state police presence that's always been robust here is going to be even stronger going forward. So uh, I think that that was a refreshing uh, example of how um, public safety is something that is not, uh, as governor, you don't apply it to only the people that voted for you. You don't apply it to people from your political party. 
He was elected governor as a, as a Republican from Lafayette, but he is the governor of everybody in Louisiana, including New Orleans, and I think inviting Jason Williams and making that announcement bodes well for the relationship and support that the new governor is going to provide to the city of New Orleans from a public safety perspective. I would agree. I would also point out the willingness of Jason Williams to allow this because he's kind of opening up his office to another agency, right? Uh, cases right, that are right. brought. So we spoke in the, uh, and, in the and, first segment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, about. Because you know, cases know, that are brought by any jurist, by any uh, policing authority within the confines of the territorial boundaries of the city belong to the DA. Uh, exactly. You don't see that happen right. a lot of times other than in unique cases where there's a conflict so i agree i think this is a good step forward i think who whoever thought of this was creative and i'm glad they were, there was a meeting of the minds uh to bring this forward there is no downside to this 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 is only a positive uh not just for the city of new orleans but for the state of louisiana and it shows that uh, you know, the, the governor is making decisions not based on political affiliation, but what's in the best interest of the state of Louisiana and New Orleans is part of the state. Uh, he may not have carried Orleans Parish, but he's still the governor from Orleans, uh, of, of, of the entire state, including Orleans Parish. And he's demonstrated that he's not going to uh, leave New Orleans behind. And I think that yep. that's a powerful message, and I, I, I appreciate and support that. And I also uh, appreciate that the district attorney is re, uh, receiving and accepting assistance to help his office perform its its duties uh, even more effectively than, than they are right now. And I'm sure you'll agree with me with the next step. Let's go out and make some quality arrest of impact criminals and get them successfully prosecuted. There's some task force that are underway right now that hopefully that will, you know, we'll be seeing some of the uh, the fruits of, of those endeavors in, in the days and weeks ahead. Absolutely. In fact, we reached out, I think, to Liz Merrill's office. We're going to try and get her on to talk about it um, to, from her perspective as well. Absolutely. So look forward to that. As always, this hour just simply. It flies by. So much to talk about. Still got about eight things on my list, so we'll talk about that maybe on Monday, you and I, Ravi, uh, hopefully. All right. And uh, get through the rest of the list. Have a great weekend, my friend. Appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to it. See you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. All righty. Rafael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission, will be right back, folks. Stay with us. Scoot's up next, and he joins us. What do we have coming up, Scoot? So LSU Lady Tiger superstar, the Bayou Barbie, Angel Reese, is back on the court tonight. Why has she been gone? It's still not clear. Do we have a right to know? Should we know? Or... Is it okay if Coach Kim Mulkey kind of keeps this a secret? Also, Governor-elect Jeff Landry says his administration is going to work closely with Orleans District Attorney Jason Williams to fight crime in New Orleans. That seems to be a little bit unprecedented and very good. Uh, Doritos has a new app that allows you to eat Dorito chips during a Zoom call, and nobody else can hear the chips, the crunch. Nobody can hear the snacking. There's no crunch? No crunch. There's a there's an app that you can use so you can be on a Zoom call and eat Doritos and nobody hears the crunch. 
Oh, the app squelches the crunch. I, if there's I, no I crunch, guess, no I can guess. do. No crunch, exactly. <laughs> and also, um, we'll talk about some of the things that aggravate people during Zoom calls. And Lifetime movie executives are responding to criticism of the first Christmas music on a first, first Christmas movie that has a sex scene on the Lifetime channel. There's been some criticism of that. All righty, Scoot's up next. Stay tuned, folks. Got a great lineup coming your way. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a great Thursday evening. We'll see you tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.